sure about you all, but when I'm encouraged to breathe and I'm given the space to breathe, I forget that, you know, in normal life to breathe. Um, I know in these spaces, sometimes even my head feels a little light because I just breathe so shallowly in normal life. And um, so as a chaplain at Bronson, we start our day off with breathing with meditation from different faith groups and in learning how to breathe properly again, I can feel my body rest. Like what Anna was saying, you feel your stomach muscles, you feel different things within your body by just relaxing. Um, and that's not often applauded, this, this, um, this slowing of the pace. So thank you, Anna, for giving us that space and to enter into this time together. And um, I heard from a couple people that there is a little anxiousness about what's happening outside. Um, so I do want to honor that um, and just say a quick prayer for the families outside, for the homes that are around this area. So, Lord, we just lift up the families in this neighborhood to you. Um, we lift up the workers who are trying to fix this gas problem. And, Lord, we just pray a barrier of protection over the families and workers and whoever else is involved in what's happening right now. So, Lord, we just ask all this. May you give peace to our spirits and may you speak tonight, whether it be through my words, through through Anna's song, um, especially through that meditation, or even if you just have a special word for us tonight. So we thank you for this time of rest, and we pray all these things in your name. Amen. So as I said, um, my name is Rachel. I am um, currently a chaplain at Bronson Hospital, which is why I haven't been here in a while. Um, the thing that is not often communicated when you take a job at the hospital is the shifts that happen. Um, I didn't understand that, oh, I might be working almost every Thursday randomly. Um, so I've missed all of you. There's some new faces, some familiar faces, and um, I'm just happy to have a non-member card where I am welcome anytime I am able to come and I'm still part of the family. So it's so wonderful to see all of you and to just be back here again. And um, as Rod said, we're starting a new sermon series today called The Beatitudes. I'm going to be honest, and even though um, he shared the accolades that I have, I had to Google what Beatitudes meant. Um, so blessed sayings is an easy way for me to understand what the Beatitudes are. So the blessed sayings is what we are um, looking into starting today. So as we, as we dig into this, um, I think what will become more and more clear over the next couple of weeks is what these blessed sayings are, as each saying starts with blessed are. And because this is the first week, I'm going to give a little bit of background information 
and I'm going to phrase them as the cool things that I've learned. I feel like when you say things are cool, then it, it helps it a little bit, at least for me. So even though there's going to be a couple more um, facts and stuff, you know, background info coming over the next couple of weeks, um, I'll have three cool things for us to take from today for the background of the Beatitudes or Blessed Sayings. So the first cool thing about uh, the blessed sayings is that it's found within the Sermon on the Mount, um, this, this big block of scripture that's written in red, which means it is Jesus's words. It's not provided by a messenger, it's given from God himself. Um, and of course we have the, all these fun Greek whatever words that I, in my Michigan accent, can't really pronounce. Um, it's God incarnate. Jesus is with us. I'm not even going to say it because I'm sure it'll be pronounced wrong. Um, but with that, um, God is with his people, with the audience who he's presenting this to on the mountainside, and he's saying exactly from his lips what his kingdom is, not this perception. It is exactly what his kingdom is. The second cool thing is the location. Um, for those who were the original audience, uh, they would have seen this parallel between Moses coming down the mountainside with these two tablets and Jesus himself sitting on the mountainside. And as I was dwelling on this, it, we're not having a messenger coming down from this away place telling us what God is saying. Instead, we are having God himself sit with his people and not saying a list of do's and don'ts. Instead, he's saying, this is how things really are and how my kingdom really works. We see a God of relationship. We see a God who is saying, you know, this is how things have panned out, but I'm going to flip them on their head. And this is my third cool thing. I don't know if anybody watches Stranger Things. You know, we see the upside down, and it's not this pleasant place. But God's upside down is illustrated in these Beatitudes, these blessed sayings. He's flipping how the world actually works on its head. And he's saying, that's not how my kingdom is. How my kingdom is, is the complete opposite of what is happening here on earth. So what is our blessed saying for today? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom. And I'm going to say another verse. So this one was found in Matthew. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom. In Luke, we see the same verse, but a little different. Blessed are the poor, period. We don't have poor in spirit. And as I was thinking on this, and actually I wrote a whole sermon on spiritual condition. And what I see, and what I want to encourage you, because with the Gospels we see a, re, like a, a repeat of certain verses, but there's a little nuance in each one. I don't want this to be a scary thing, because each author provides a little different angle of God's own words to the audience. So Matthew, he, he was a Jewish author and would speak directly to um, those of Israelite 
uh, lineage. So we see in Matthew a lot, of, like it's the, one of the longer ones, we see all these like son of, son of, son of at the beginning of all these chapters. So we see this emphasis on spirituality from Matthew. Well, the author Luke was a physician. He is, and when I read, blessed are the poor, I see a physical condition. So when I see both of these authors together, I see God's communication of a value of both the spiritual condition of his children as well as the physical condition of his children. They're not divorced from one another. Instead, we are seeing this high value that he cares about the condition, the whole condition of his children. So in either case, being poor or poor in spirit, physical, spiritual, or both, it doesn't seem like a very blessed space to be in, if you're asking me. So, and, and that's our own wording. That's our own way of understanding what these specific words are saying. So I found a paraphrase that might help us dig a little deeper into what this means. And that is, blessed are those who recognize their dire need for God, physical and spiritual, for God will bring them into his kingdom. So I'll say that one more time. Blessed are those who recognize their dire need for God, for God will bring them into his kingdom. So as, I, as I'm thinking about this, you know, over the last week or two, I really could not separate the physical from the spiritual. Even when I was just writing on the spiritual condition, you, I could not separate it in my head. So I put dollar signs to it. For me, and this is another thing that we learn in chaplaincy, you don't prescribe something to other people. So a lot of these illustrations, I will put my name into, I will put my, myself into it. If it relates to you, perfect. But each person comes from some, somewhere different in the world. So I won't prescribe this to you and say we, but I will say I. So the more security I have, the more control I feel in my life this worldly, and maybe go so far as to say physical security, impacts my own spiritual condition. Once again, they're linked in my life. Maybe it's the same in your life. Now, I'm not saying it's impossible to hold these two things in tension or harmony, however you want to you know, define that. But what I'm saying, it's hard for me to hold those things well. When I'm doing well, monetarily, physically, whatever that may be, it is really hard for me to understand my dire need for God. It's just difficult for me. In this said, my own dire need for God is something that I need to call into question each day I rise. Even when I don't have worldly security, my own hyper-vigilant, prepping nature who creates plans for A, B, C, D, X, Y, Z, needs to pause. And the part of me that desires to control has to be set aside. And I need to remember my own dire need for God. 
And just last week, um, I met with a patient to complete paperwork. It's one of the less glamorous parts of chaplaincy at the hospital. However, when I asked the person after we were done with the paperwork, is there anything else I can do for you right now? Our standard question, right? He said yes. And he told me that he wanted to be on the right side of things with God. Tears in his eyes. He surrendered himself to God. We did one of those summer camp repeat after me prayers. He asked if I was Pentecostal. I said, maybe. <laughs> so what do you need? And he said, the sinner's prayer. I'm like, you know, me not knowing what that is, I'm like, do you know the words? <laughs> and that's when he said, I, I just want to be on the right side. Okay, that I know. And we did a repeat after me. And he recommitted his life to Christ. And this is the biggest takeaway for me. He recognized his dire need for God. Not me. He recognized that. And because he recognized that, it snapped me out of that rhythm. And I recognized that for myself. So as I was saying this prayer for him to repeat, my soul was repeating it after him. And another way to interpret poor in spirit is humbled. My spirit was humbled. I was forced to take a pause through his call on his heart that God was speaking through. Now, I want to be very, very clear. Um, this is not a fire and brimstone, recognize your need for God or be eternally damned, right? And I say that because I am sure a few of you have experienced that. I am one of those people who have experienced that, and that is not what we are going for today. Instead, I want to talk about the freedom that comes from recognizing our dire need for God. Because nothing you can do now will make God love you any more than he does in this moment. And I'm going to say that again, because this flipped reality that God has set before us, it doesn't always make sense. We are told that we need to be a certain way to be loved, that we are not worthy of love. We are told this again and again through different influences. But this is our flipped reality. That nothing you can do now, in this moment, will make God love you anymore. And that is because God's love is far greater than anything we can ever imagine, and that is because it is unconditional. Once again, something that maybe doesn't quite compute in our brains, <laughs> but it's true. There's nothing we can do right now that will make God love us any more than he does in this moment. And my hope is that holding a dire need for God in one hand and this unconditional love in the other gives you freedom. And as I said, we're not talking about fire and brimstone. So as we hold these things together, this is the truth. God holds everything so we don't have to.
And so I want to, so as my words are wrapping up, I want to kind of do a bookend of a meditation, kind of how we started before we unturn to worship. So if you want to close your eyes, you may. I'll keep an eye on the children. You don't need to worry. That is one perk of being in this angle. So if it, it's helpful to close your eyes. I'm going to say this and then give you some prompts, okay? So God holds everything so you don't have to. Where does that sit in your body right now? For me, I, I feel it in my shoulders. I feel a tenseness. Maybe it's that control I was talking about earlier. And now you know where my spirit is today. But where is it for you? I'm going to say it again. And as I say it, I want you to try and locate that within yourself. God holds everything. So you don't have to. God holds everything. So you don't have to. Is that feeling as intense? Or did it shift? I'm going to keep repeating this phrase and encourage you to breathe in and breathe out as well as our verse for today. And I'll prompt your breathing so you don't suffocate, I promise. So breathe in. God holds everything and breathe out so I don't have to. Breathe in. God holds everything. And breathe out. So I don't have to. Breathe in. Blessed are those who recognize their dire need for God. And breathe out. For God will bring them into his kingdom. Breathe in. Blessed are those who recognize their dire need for God. And breathe out. For God will bring them into his kingdom. So Lord, we just, we thank you for this space to breathe, to be. And we ask that you walk with us as we try to experiment with what it means to wake up daily and recognize our dire need for you. I know I need help every step of the way, Lord. So I ask that maybe something in my words might be sticky on someone's heart, but also maybe, maybe one of these songs might stick with someone and give them the strength to just to recognize that need. So we lift these things to you as we continue just being with you in this moment. Amen.